0: The focus of our passage today is on Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. And we will be looking into the peace of God. What is the purpose of Remembrance Day? Well, to remember. To remember the great war, the quote unquote, quote unquote, War to end all wars. Uh, to remember the fallen heroes that died in the dirty trenches of Europe. And to never repeat past mistakes. And as, uh, as good as a cause that is, we, we have to ask ourselves, uh, have we succeeded? Have we truly found peace? The answer is no, not yet. Clearly no. The war to end of all wars is better known for its other name, World War I. World War II would soon follow after, and many wars after that. In fact, the 20th century has been labeled the bloodiest century in human history. The 21st, it's not doing much better. Just look at the news, what's happening right now. There's a war in Ukraine, oftentimes in the same theaters as it occurred in World War I. Tensions are ever-present between Israel and, and Palestine. Even in our home, own homeland, on our home, there's racial and political tensions. Our, home, our own neighborhood, it's not safe sometimes. And even in yourself, you know, just, Something, something's not right. There's this war raging within us. But think about it. Notice this. Every time it happens, every time, aren't you outraged by it? Unless you're some age-old cynic Every time it happens, there's conflict. It catches you off guard. There's this gut feeling in us that says, no, 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 this this is not the way things are supposed to be. I I didn't sign up for this. (laughs) This Our souls are are swelling within us. It's telling us that, that, that there's something better than this. And when we do this, It's actually because we're made in the image of God. God, the king of peace, the the very essence of peace. And since we reflect his image, we're hardwired for peace. Peace is what we know, it's where we belong, it's what we want. And that's why we want to remember Remembrance Day, because we're longing for something better. We're hoping for something greater. We all know there's there's no peace in the world. We know this is a problem, but the world will suggest to you all different manners of solutions. They'll say, you know, if only we built more wells, or if we gave people an education. Perhaps we need to be a democracy, or we need to be more socialists. Let's let's keep people in. Let's keep people out, let's have more technology, let's uh, demand reparations, let's be more inclusive, and on and on and on and on the, the, the proposals go. Some with varying degrees of success, but none of them completely get the job done. This same song is sung in the Bible with, with the Israelites. Always, they always think of something. If only we were out of Egypt. If only we were back in Egypt. If only we were in the promised land. If only we had our own king. If only we defeated our enemies. And still, again, no peace. No peace in the world. No peace in our hearts. The infinite wisdom of God suggests to us a different solution. He suggests to us a peace that's not man-manufactured, but a peace that comes from Him. And, and today, as, as we walk, as we wade through Philippians four four to seven, I want to show you that this this I want to show you how you can have the peace of God in our in your in your life. See, that's the goal. That's deep down what everyone wants. So, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, guess what? This passage is for you. I'm going to tell you guys the secret to having peace in your life. The true, deep down, it is well with my soul secret. Deep down, it is well with my soul peace. So stick along. If you are a Christian today, guess what? This message is for you. You see, when Paul was writing to the Philippians, guess what? The Philippians, they're a church, and Paul is writing to the church, and he's saying, hey, the church needs to know this. Now, some of you might say, well, hey, I'm a mature Christian. I went to Bible camp. I'm good, right? Well, guess what? This message is for you. This message is for you. Who, Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to, you, you die in um, Deborah, Debbie said it right. I was saying Senteche, Sentechia, Sintechia. Okay? Um, those two women in the church were co-workers with Christ. And, and Paul was saying, they need to hear this because they're still fighting. There's still no peace for them. We all need to hear this message because we all, like Israel, can be forgetful. I think of it like this. On January 17, 2003, if you're still alive at this time, do you remember what you had for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Most of us would say no, unless, I don't know, you're a human calculator. But for the rest of us, we have no idea. Question. What would happen if you, on that day, did not have breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Well, you would be malfunctioning. You wouldn't be functional. And in the same way, Paul is saying this to, and he's been saying it throughout the book of Philippians, uh, he's telling us, because we again and again need this, like, spiritual food. So let's Wade through Scripture today, Philippians chapter 4, 4 to 7, and I want to show you that there's three keys to finding the peace of God. Let's go go into the text. Here's the first way we can get peace. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. According to Paul, how do we get Peace by rejoicing. You see, joy is the gateway to peace. Now you might be thinking, uh, well, isn't it the other way around? Like, like, peace is the gateway to joy? Like, after all, like, how can I have joy in the midst of conflict? Shouldn't we celebrate after the victory has been won? How can I be happy when there's problems? And this is where so many believers trip up. We assume that the Christian life is the big, red, easy button. Here's the thing. God never promises that we would be exempt from problems. In fact, he he guarantees that there will be problems. What God offers us is is peace in the midst of the storm, uh, peace that will sustain you. Think of peace like a like a buoy. You guys know what a buoy is? It's that flotation device that's, that's by the beach, you know, keeps the border. If you push that buoy, if you, if you shove it or smack it in the water, every single time, it's going to get right back up. And that's what the peace of God it's like. It's not saying we're devoid of problems. It's saying even during the problems, we can sustain ourselves through it. That's what the peace of God offers, and it only comes through joy. Okay, so how often do we um, seek this joy? Well, it says in verse 4, always. We must always rejoice. You might stop me again and say, hold up, Uh, let's be honest here. How can you expect me to always be joyful? Good things don't always happen. Bad things happen too. What's Paul trying to tell me? Like, do you want to manufacture my feelings? Are you trying to force things? Shouldn't I be authentic? I have to be honest with where I'm at. This is like my fiance sometimes tells me, "You can't always be happy, clappy. But Paul isn't talking about happiness. He's talking about something deeper. See, he's talking about joy. You see, see the, the, the distinction, happiness is based on momentary feelings, based on what's happening to us. But joy is inward hope, no matter the circumstance. See, because true joy doesn't look at this world for support. It looks something beyond. It looks at something beyond. And what is this beyond thing? Think about it. Notice in, in verse 4, again, it's not simply saying rejoice, period. Our joy is directed. Our joy is directed. This isn't smile because if you don't, you'll cry. You know, Our reason for joy is reasonable. Yes, the world will knock you down, But our joy comes from the Lord, the Lord. If joy is the gateway to peace, then God is the key to the gateway. If we go to God, we get peace. C.S. Lewis put it this way, I'll read. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get to or even into the very thing that has them. And that's why we can be joyful. We can be joyful because there is an infinite, powerful, wise, loving God who is there with us every single moment so long as we cling to him. There's a God who said, despite your sins, despite the ugliness of evil that's within you, I sent my one and only son to die on the cross for your sins so that you may be saved. He perfects you in that way for anyone who calls on the name of Jesus. And so I have to ask, who here has called on the name of Jesus? Who here has sought him as, as their savior? Who knows him? Because I'm telling you, true peace comes from nothing else but through Jesus. But moving on, I also want you to notice that the word rejoice is a verb. It's an action. It's something you have to do. Paul's saying that joy is not this passive thing that comes to you like manna bread, you know that. Like, come to me, you don't slump in your chair and be like, where is it, God? Where is it? Where's the peace? No, you actually go and take action. Some of you might ask, "Uh, but we're Christian, you know? Doesn't God's salvation give us eternal joy? Well, actually, not quite. Think about it. If Paul is telling Christians to seek out joy, that means even as a Christian, your default state of being is not joy even if you're in the Lord. It's not automatic. Yes, becoming Christian is where true joy starts, but that's not where it finishes. Sure, you've opened the gate, but now you have to walk the path. And sometimes we can veer off the road. That's why David cries out in Psalm 51, verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. As long as we live in the sinful world, the flesh and the devil are out to take your joy away. Pastor John Piper calls it fighting for joy. And that brings us to the second way we find peace. In our fight for joy, we must be gentle to all. Look with me in verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Gentleness is the path to peace. If joy is the gateway, gentleness is the path. Note, and note this, like, like gentleness can only come after joy. A joyless person can't be kind because misery, lo- misery loves company but a person who is inwardly joyful will be enabled to be outwardly gentle. When joy enters our souls, it exits out of our lips as gentleness. We breathe in joy and we exhale gentleness. But in the same way rejoicing takes active effort and obedience, guess what? So does being gentle. It doesn't come naturally to us. It's why uh, Udiah and Sente- Senteke, uh Christians, I think I got that, Senteke, Christians were fighting. Uh, you know? And I know this is, is true for me, especially when I'm driving, just as my fiance, right? Like, I, in my old car, I had to slap the Jesus fish symbol on the back of my car to shame me from angry driving. Like, it was bad. And in a sense, in this sense, gentleness is practiced joy. And that's what God wants. Look, verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. Do you see that? It's about our witness. He doesn't want the peace of God to end with you. He wants you to spread this peace to others so that everyone will be Jesus-positive. See, Jesus doesn't say in Matthew 5, like, blessed are the peaceful. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. You go out. You make peace. And that's exactly what Jesus did. You see, that's, that, 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 look, like, like, that's, what, that's what Jesus says in, in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, for I am gentle and, And humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. When we are gentle, we reflect Christ. And then, like it says in Philippians 2.15, we shine like stars in the night. But if we are not, like was the case with those two ladies, we hinder the cause of the gospel. That thing, you know, you know, that thing, the only thing that can truly give people hate, peace, we hinder that. Our bickering, our petty infighting will destroy our witness to Christ. That's why Paul was addressing these two ladies. He was saying, Stop this. Like, why? You're working for, gospel, for the gospel, or now you're bringing it down. And I say pit, and I say petty infighting, because there are things we must definitely stand for. But Romans twelve eighteen says, as much as it is possible for you, be at peace with everyone. Now some of you might say, but how? You know, like. Like, like, look at me. I'm a wreck. Like, I'm not gentle. I'm not joyful. I, don't, I mess up every day. You said so yourself. It's not my default state of being. How, how could I possibly do this? Here's the good news. Verse 5 continued. The Lord is near. The Lord if God is the key to the gateway of joy, then we must also say God is the guide in the path to gentleness. You're right. You should, you should say, you can't do it. You can't be gentle. I can't. We're too sinful. And then in the same breath, say, but the Lord is near. The Lord will be my guide. The Lord will be my help." Look at the relationship between verse 5 and 6, and I think the ESV really brings it out. Verse 5 says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. And, and verse 6 says, let your requests be made known to God. Be known. Did you, did you see the literal, literary parallel there? You see, going to God in private strengthens our gentleness in public. Friends, if you are praying to God, your gentleness will be evidence of that. But if you are not being gentle to everyone, you're probably not praying to God. Our gentleness or lack of exposes our prayer lives, while our prayer lives strengthen our public lives. You want to be gentle? Pray. Pray, 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 God is saying don't take your conflicted spirit and wipe it on others. If you have a burden, bring it bring it to me. No burden that goes to God is a burden to God. Those on their knees broken to God often are able to stand strong before people. And this brings us to the third way of peace. And let's summarize. The first way we have peace is that we, are, we must rejoice in the Lord. The second way we have peace is that we are gentle to all. And the third way we have peace is that we have thankful prayer. See, thankful prayer guards us. If joy is the gateway and gentleness is the path, thankful prayer is our guard, our protection. Protection against what? Anxiousness. See, anxiety, anxiety about the problems of life, about, about whatever coming storms there might be. On our pilgrimage to peace, anxiety often comes like a thief, trying to steal joy and gentleness. And peace is rooted in Philippians 1 6, that, that God who began a good work in you will see it to completion. But anxiety shoves itself in your face and says, yeah, yeah, I know there's a God or whatever, but look at this problem I have. That's what anxiety does. And in some instances, our anxiety is, you know, it's unnecessary, let's be honest. I know people who are afraid of butterflies, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And and even even me, myself, like yesterday, I stressed over the fact that, it didn't, that that booster juice didn't have my matcha drink. I was stressed, you know. But, but but many problems, but many problems are actually all too real. They are. Disease is a thing. Cancer is a thing. Divorce is a thing. Abuse is a thing. Death is a thing. And I want to recognize that. Life can bring in heavy storms. Some of the things that you have, guys, have described to me, I can't even imagine walking in your shoes. And still, I want to tell you, God is saying these things precisely to you. He's saying, yes, in the midst of these storms, you can trust me. I mean, just look at Paul, the one who's writing this book. I mean, he, had, he didn't have his life easy. The man's been shipwrecked. He's been persecuted. He's been store, stoned. He's, he's been bitten by a snake. Who gets bitten by a snake? He, he was on the brink of starvation. And even as he's writing this book, he's in prison. And he's telling us, you can find joy. And how can we, how can we trust in God through all of that? through thankful prayer. And this answer is both simple and surprising. It's simple because the answer is prayer, you know? Like, all we need to do is pray. Like, go to God with your anxiousness and and, and he will attend to your spirit. It's a little surprising because we're supposed to be thankful even before he answers. Like, look at that. Look at the text. It says, in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests." to God. It's not like after you present, after God answers your prayers, thank him. It's like even before he answers. That's, that's weird, right? It'd be like going to someone in school and be like, thank you for doing my homework. It's like, they didn't even, like, you didn't even offer. What? It's like, but why? Why? Why is he asking us to do this? Because it indicates our trust in him. It's saying, I don't necessarily know how I'm going to get through this, but I know I have you. I know that you're the one who's going to help me and protect me. See, God is the one who's going to shield us. Thankful prayer is our protection because it calls on God, who's our protector. We don't bear the shield. God is our shield-bearer. Matthew, Henry A common a Bible commentator, famous one back in the day, was walking along the path and once was robbed of his possessions. When he returned home, he wrote this in his diary. Let me be thankful. First, because he never robbed me before. Second, because although he took my purse, he did not take my life. Third, because although he took all I possessed, it was not much. And fourth, Because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. You see? These are the three things we get. These are the three keys to get peace. Joy, gentleness, and thankful prayer. Joy is the gateway. Gentleness is the path. Thankful prayer is our protection. And when we rejoice in the Lord, when, we, when we're thankful for the things he's done, and, 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 and when, amongst others, we practice our gentleness, and even when problems avail us, we, we're in thankful prayer, then you will have a peace, a peace that, that is the bottom of the well It is well, kind of well with my soul, Peace. And notice, as it says in verse 7 at the very end, it's not any peace. You actually get the peace of God. Do you see that? The entire time, on our pilgrimage to peace, God has been everything. He's been everywhere. He's the key to the gateway of peace. He's the guide to the pathway of, of, of gentleness. He's the shield bearer of thankful prayer. And he's been the goal of our pilgrimage all along. He's the king of peace. That's who we always wanted. That's why we can say in Romans eleven thirty six, 36, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And when we have the peace of God in this world, we can do everything. We can do, we can face anything. Just look at Paul again, like, he was crazy. Did you see the things that he was going through? And everyone was attacking him. They were like, oh, Paul, we're going to persecute you. Well, I uh, consider it pure joy when I'm persecuted for the sake of Christ. Well, okay, then, Paul, we're going to kill you. Well, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Oh, you're frustrating. We'll just put you in the jail. Well, thank you for letting me write this Bible now. It's like, what can you do against this guy? And that's the power of peace within our lives. And we can face anything through having peace. I don't know if you know about a guy named Horatio Spafford. You might have heard him today. Uh, but he was a close confidant of D.L. Moody, another great preacher. And, and he was a lawyer, uh, I believe, in the 19th century. And he invested in property, North Chicago, real estate And and not long after, there was the great Chicago fire. It burned it completely down. He lost all his wealth. After that, he wanted to go on a vacation with his family, his wife and four daughters. But because of a business meeting, he was held up. And so he sent uh, his family ahead of him. And while his family was going there, Something happened to the ship. Another ship came, and it caused their ship, their steamship, to sink and crash, to crash and sink. And later, he got a telegram saying um, from his wife, his wife, like four children, their four children, they all died in that, 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 that tragic event, and only the wife survived, and she sent in a telegram later saying, I alone was saved. And as he took the boat to go and comfort his wife, uh, and on this boat, as he was passing where that fateful event happened, he thought of a song in his heart that he wrote. It's a song you might know well. The song, It Is Well With My Soul. It is well with my soul. You see, we can go through tragedies in life, broken things, terrible things. But if we have the peace of God in our life, we can say, it is well with my soul. My question for you guys is, is it well with your soul? Have you sought the peace of God? Have you, have you desired? Have you, have, you, have you went and rejoiced in, in, in the Lord? Have you, have you, have you, have you practiced gentleness, have, have you had thankful prayer, have you had the peace of God and if you did I tell you today it is well with your soul let's pray heavenly father though Satan should buffet us and throw all sorts of storms and winds we can say Lord God that you are good, that you are faithful through the storm That with you, we can walk on water. You calm the storm. You calm our souls. You quell our hearts. You give us peace. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.